The passage that was read a moment ago from Hebrews chapter 12 finds as its backdrop Genesis chapter 25. And so I want to call attention to Genesis chapter 25 in our study today. And we're going to be talking about the theme, the cost of one bad decision. Before we get started today, again, I want to express appreciation for your presence. We're thankful that we have the opportunity every first day of the week to come together to worship God. I am grateful for the opportunity to be able to preach today. I am very thankful for your prayers, as I mentioned last week. I am continuing to get better. And hopefully and prayerfully will be well in the very near future. But I want you to know how much I appreciate your prayers and your thoughts. And it's a great blessing to be a part of a church that cares so much. Have you ever made a decision in life only to later regret that decision? Many of us have made decisions that we have anguished over and we have lamented. Life is filled with an array of decisions, choices. Now I understand that not every choice or decision in life carries a lot of weight with it. But there are some decisions that we make in this life that can be very costly. Sometimes we make decisions in life and we end up paying a terrible price for that decision. I want to introduce you to a fellow by the name of Esau today who in my mind made a terrible decision. And as a result of the decision that he made, faced some consequences that ultimately he had to live with for the rest of his life. Sometimes the decisions we make are life-altering. They are irrevocable. I want to begin by talking about his foolish choice. Now, if you look at chapter 25 of the book of Genesis, you'll find that the seed line of Esau was something that was very special. You see, his grandfather was Abraham. Abraham had been called by Almighty God back in chapter 12. He became the father of the Hebrew nation. The Bible tells us that God said to him, I will make of you a great nation. He said, I will make your name great. I'll bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. We know that through the seed line of Abraham, the Messiah, the Christ, the promised seed of Genesis 3.15 would come. In chapter 25, we have a record 
of Abraham and his death at the age of 175 years. Moses said that Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Esau was the, grand, the grandson of Abraham and the son of Isaac. I want you to pick up with me, if you would, in verse 19 as we read the account of the narrative. Beginning in verse 19, Moses said, This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. The first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. After his, afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Here we're introduced to one of the problems that arose in the lives of Jacob and Esau. Their parents had their favorites. In verse 29, the text says that Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field and was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Now some translations may say that Esau was famished. In other words, he came in from the field. He had, as, as we would say, a healthy appetite. And so Jacob, being the clever individual that he was, said, Some of your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? You have to understand that the birthright was something that should have been cherished by the firstborn. It was of great importance. There were some things that went with the birthright that made it very special. For example, 
the eldest would receive a double portion of his father's inheritance. He would become the head of the family, serving as the patriarchal head. He would function like a priest in that patriarchal period. And then add to that the fact that the Messiah would come through the seed line of Abraham and Isaac. And so Esau disregarded all of this and made, as we would say, a foolish selection. Verse 33 says that Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Lentils made up of beans and peas. As we would say, a bowl of soup. And the text says that Esau ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now we talk about the foolish choice or decision that Esau made. I want to ask you a question. How much do you think a bowl of soup is worth? How much would you pay for a bowl of soup? Esau literally gave his birthright away for a bowl of soup, didn't he? Lentil soup. Now, let me ask another question. How long do you think it took Esau to eat that bowl of soup? How long would it take you to eat a bowl of soup? Five minutes? Ten minutes? The Bible says he was weary. He was famished. I think about somebody who comes in from the field. Maybe they haven't eaten a lot during the day. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're tired. They want to eat and rest. So Esau comes in. He's hungry. He's famished. And he barters away his birthright for a bowl of soup. So let's just say that It took him 10 minutes to eat that bowl of lentil or bowl of soup. The fleeting satisfaction of that bowl of soup. Now you think about it for a minute. In 5 or 10 minutes, that soup is gone. And as a result of that, he has given away that which should have been of great importance to him. Let's think for a minute about some of the things he gave away. He gave away his position as family head, didn't he? For a bowl of soup. He gave away his prominence in the seed line of Christ for a bowl of soup. He gave away his possessions. That is, he would, he would have received a double portion of his father's inheritance for a bowl of soup. Now, before we are too hard on Esau, we need to think about ourselves. Sometimes we make decisions in life that impact us greatly. Now, we may not necessarily understand the weight of that decision that we've made. It may be years later before we understand the full significance of the decision that we have made. At some point in time, it comes crashing home. 
And we realize what a tragic, terrible mistake we have made in this life. Now, let's shift gears for a minute and think about Esau's future consequences. Because it's important for us to see the consequences of Esau's decision on this occasion. I want to talk for a minute or two about his forfeiture of this great blessing called a birthright. I want to begin by saying that Esau should have paused and thought about the cost of his decision. Now, how is that significant to me? Well, there are decisions that we have to make in this life. And we ought to pause, we ought to just step back from the situation and prayerfully consider the course that we're about to take. In other words, we need to think about the cost of our decision. And there are some questions that we would do well to answer in light of some of the decisions that we make in this life. Let me just cite for you some questions that we ought to ask ourselves. Number one, how will it affect me? Now, you look at Esau, and you think, here's a guy that has literally thrown his birthright away. Do you think he stopped before he bartered away his birthright and thought about everything that he was giving up? I don't think he did. He's weary, he's famished, he's starving as we would say, and he's willing to barter away everything for a bowl of soup. So again, the decisions that I make in this life, how are they going to affect me? Let me give you an example of somebody that we can relate to, David. David was a man after God's own heart, wasn't he? David, as we would say, was probably one of the best kings, if not the best king, in the history of the Israelite nation. He was the king over the United Kingdom. And yet in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible tells us that David made a very foolish decision in his life. What did he do? He saw Bathsheba bathing, inquired about her, got her to come before him, and you know the story. They had an adulterous relationship. If David had only stopped to think, how is this going to affect me? And then there is a second question that we ought to ask. Not only should we ask the question, how is it going to affect me, but how is it going to affect those who are close to me? Think for a minute about David. David takes Bathsheba. She conceives, and as a result of that, what does he have to do? He's got to go into what we would call cover-up mode. And so he has... Uriah the Hittite, the husband of 
Bathsheba killed on the front line of battle. And God said, as a result of what David had done, the sword shall never depart from your house. He said, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. Here is David. He has an adulterous union with Bathsheba. As a result of that, it didn't just impact his life, but rather it impacted the lives of many other people. Uriah the Hittite. His own wife, Bathsheba. And then in chapter 12, we find that the child that was conceived in this union later dies. You know, sometimes people have the idea that they can make decisions in life and it won't impact other people. Let me, let me just ask you to do this. Go out in the country sometime and just stand, stand at the foot of a pond and take a rock or pebble and throw it out into that pond and watch the ripples. I've heard people say sometimes that heard people say sometimes when they're in the process of getting a divorce it's nobody else's business it's just between the two of us that is between the husband and wife let me tell you what that is foolish there have been people that have treated their marriage vows capriciously as a result of their divorce they have injured they have hurt their mother and father Sometimes it hurts grandparents. It hurts children. It hurts brothers and sisters. It hurts friends and family. That is a church family. So don't tell me that we can't make a decision and it not impact the lives of other people because it does. David is a classic example of that. And there's a third question we ought to ask. And that is, how will it affect my relationship to God? Now again, we talk about David. We think about Esau. The Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. The Hebrew writer identifies him as a fornicator and a profane man. In other words, he didn't value spiritual things. We would say he was a worldly person. There are some folks in the church, they belong to the body of Christ, but the bottom line is they fail to value their relationship to God. Now David committed adultery, didn't he? And in chapter 12, Nathan the prophet stands before him and says in a very succinct way, David, you're the man. And David acknowledges his sin. In Psalm 51 at verse 4, David said, Against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness in your sight. In about verse 12 of Psalm 51, David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sometimes the relationships that we have are impaired because of the decisions that we make. And sometimes our relationship to God is impaired because of the decisions that we make in this life. Now, it may be the case that you have made some decisions that have driven a wedge between you and your God. 
there's another thing I want you to think about for just a moment. We talk about the cost of the decisions that we make in life. But what about the consequences of the decisions that we make in life? All of us would agree that Esau should have stopped and thought about the consequences. Turn with me, if you would, over to Hebrews chapter 12 again. And just very quickly, note verses 16 and 17. There the Hebrew writer said, Lest there be any fornicator or profane or godless person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Now, you can go over and read the Genesis account of Isaac bestowing the blessings upon Jacob. Esau was left out of the messianic line, left out of the double portion of inheritance, left out of a lot of things. There are consequences to our actions. For every action, there is a corresponding reaction. Paul said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He said, he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now think with me for a moment or two about the consequences of the actions that result from poor decisions, bad decisions in life. I think first of all we need to understand that sometimes there are physical consequences to consider. Do you remember the story in Luke 15? The prodigal son? He went to his father and asked for his inheritance. The father graciously granted that request. And the Bible says that the younger son gathered all together and went out into a far country and there wasted his substance with profligate or riotous living. In other words, he went out and blew everything that he had. And Jesus said in his narration of that parable, when he began to be in want. You see, a severe famine arose in that land. And by that time, the prodigal son had wasted everything, didn't have anything. He was living the life of a pauper. Sometimes we suffer physically because of the decisions we make. There have been people in our world today, and let me tell you what, there are people in the church that have suffered and are suffering because of poor decisions. Did you know that there are people who are enslaved to alcohol? I mean, they have to have a daily fix or they can't make it. Why? Because of one foolish decision to drink. Solomon said, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. In other words, they're foolish. You'll never be an alcoholic if you never take that first drink. 
There are folks today that are enslaved to narcotics, chemical substances. They can't make it a day without a fix. And their body rebels when they don't have that drug coursing through their veins. Now you talk about people suffering physically. Individuals who literally put intoxicants in their body. Do you not think it's going to eventually catch up to them? The answer is yes. There are folks today that have cirrhosis of the liver because of alcohol. There are people today that have damaged their heart. They've damaged other organs in the body because they have abused their body. And then there are emotional consequences to consider. Sometimes you can make a decision and that decision will impact you physically and emotionally. Listen to what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter chapter 13, verse 15. He said, the way of the transgressor is hard. We have a lot of young people here. And we're blessed to have a great youth group. Young people that are devoted to God and that live a Christian life. And let me tell you what, they set a great example. And one of the things that impresses me is they're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They do a lot better than many of us. They put us to shame sometimes. In many respects, we look up to them rather than them looking up to us because of their spirituality. One of the problems in our world today is not just premarital sex, but sex outside of marriage. Listen to me very carefully as a young person. Once you cross that line, you can never go back. There are some things that you can throw away and you'll never get it back, ever. Think about Esau. Once he threw that birthright away, it was irrevocable. That threshold had been crossed. He had stepped across that threshold never to return again. We have to think about our reputation our integrity, our character. These are things that are precious. There are people today who are struggling emotionally because they've made bad decisions and those decisions have impacted their lives in so many ways. And I mentioned alcohol a moment ago. There are folks in our world today that go to bed at night with a belly full of alcohol because they're trying to somehow find release from the emotional burden that they are strapped with. Again, Solomon said the way of the transgressor is hard. There's a third thing you need to think about and that is sometimes the decisions we make impact us eternally. In other words, there are eternal consequences to consider, aren't there? There are physical consequences, emotional and eternal. 
when Esau gobbled up that bowl of soup, what do you think he was thinking about? Let me tell you what he was thinking about. The here and now. He couldn't see beyond the day. Many of us make decisions and the only thing that we're thinking about is the here and now. We never think about our eternal soul. We don't think about death. We don't think about Jesus coming. We don't think about getting to a point of no return spiritually because the heart has become so calloused and hardened. Paul said the wages of sin is death. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, Peter talks about those who have forsaken the right way. Sometimes we know what's right. It's not that we don't know what's right. It's that we choose not to do what is right. And let me tell you, when we make decisions that are not healthy spiritually, we put ourselves on thin ice. The gravity of those decisions, unbelievable. Esau didn't value the spiritual. People who lose their soul, the bottom line, do not value the spiritual. Lest we think this lesson doesn't apply to us, we would do well to ask, Do we value the spiritual? Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He said, the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. Through the eye of faith, we see our home in heaven. Here's the bottom line. One Think about it. One bad decision can cost you in so many ways. Right now, you have time and opportunity. Now, I understand there are consequences to our actions. Sometimes there are things that we do and say. There are some folks, they have burned a lot of bridges. And sometimes we have to live with the consequences of our actions. Spiritually speaking, we can rectify that. If you're not a Christian, I want to ask you this morning, what would keep you from obeying the gospel? Why would you not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is interested in you. Every time you say no to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it becomes that, it becomes that much harder to obey the gospel. Have you done what they did on Pentecost Day? When Peter said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, have you done that? If you haven't, why not? If you're a child of God and your life is not what it ought to be, it doesn't measure up to the standards 
of New Testament Christianity, what would keep you from making things, making things right today? What would hold you back from coming home? The Bible says that the prodigal son came to himself. Don't wait too late. Don't go too far. If you're here today and you're not faithful to the cause, could we pray with you and for you as we stand and sing?